Hey there, all you Hepcats, Cool Kittens, you guys and dolls, you diesel-powered disciples of cool. This is the Diesel Punk Podcast, and I am your host, the comic book-loving, time-traveling, diesel-punk prophet of pop culture, the king of swaying the Tower of Power, Big Daddy Cool. You can call me Johnny, and we are swinging solid today live from Hypericon 12 on the Diesel Punk Podcast, the voice of Diesel Punk, and along with me is a voice that should be familiar to our Diesel Punk Podcast listeners, although you're not normally a part of the Diesel Punk and Pop Culture Roundtables, you do a monthly feature on the Diesel Punk Podcast, the host and creator of Swing What You Got, the man, the myth, the legend, DJ Swag Commander, Eugene John. Hey there, hey there, hey there. Glad you could join us. We're glad we can join you. Yeah, glad we can join each other. <laughs> we are uh, we are here at uh, the BDC booth at uh, Hypericon, and Hypericon, as you hear from the noise in the background, is a very busy con this year. Um, it has quickly become one of the premier uh, geek culture community conventions in the uh, Middle Tennessee area, maybe the entire southeast. A lot of stuff happening, and um, Eugene and I are both doing panels and programming, yes, entertainment. I uh, hosted the uh, cabaret with the Bombshell Kittens last night. We've uh, both done uh, the Diesel Punk 101 panel. You're doing... Uh, this evening I'll be doing steampunk music and the phenomenon of electro swing music and steampunk. And tomorrow, Johnny and I will be doing Steampunk versus Diesel Punk panel. Yeah, that's right. And tonight, though, tonight, tonight, tonight. Tonight, the big one. The Time Traveler's Ball. The first annual Time Traveler's Ball featuring DJ Swag Commander. Who else? Yeah, yeah. You know, we we'd actually originally pitched this to do last year at Hypericon. Yeah. But a little, a little thing happened a couple of weeks before Hypericon that changed their direction. Um, David Bowie died, and they changed the uh, the event into the Goblin King Ball or Goblin King Masquerade, and um, so put off the Time Traveler Ball for uh, a year. And but now you're here, you're doing it, and uh, everybody's excited. And the best news is not only are we doing it this year, but they've decided to make it an annual event. That's right. That's right. And um, <clears throat> so you're going to be doing. What, music through the different eras? Yeah, I'll be starting back around, you know, classical music, Baroque music, and then carry it through Victorian, Edwardian music, then the swing era, and, you know, just progress along the timelines. It's a time travels ball after all. Unfortunately, within the amount of time, I won't be able to cover all the decades, but again, this is just the first annual one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, We're also doing it seven tonight. If you're in... Middle Tennessee, it's not too late to come on down to the Luau Pool Party, uh, where Luna DeVica and Crystal Star of the Bombshell Kittens will be performing poolside, doing fire spinning and aerial. Uh, it'll be pretty cool. So, so Eugene, yeah, it's been a while since I think actually it's been since last Hypericon. That we've actually done the podcast together. I think it was live. Yeah. yeah, and so in the last year, what have and I'm springing this question on him, so he doesn't know that I'm about to ask him this. But in the last year, 
what would you say has been the biggest stride in the growth of the genre of diesel punk? Or maybe a better question is, what have you seen change in diesel punk, if anything? I just see more and more people becoming aware of it. Um, and some people, such as myself and yourself, and recently our, our sister Sarah, have come to discover that it's something we have liked all along before we knew that there was a diesel punk. And I think that diesel punk is gaining, gaining more acceptance. You know, steampunk's been around for years, people are aware of it. Diesel punk people are just now becoming aware of it, and they're saying, hey, that's cool. Yeah, well, in, our, in the panel this morning, and you know, we re- really ran out of time. That, that panel could have been two hours. Yes. Um, Diesel Punk 101, it, that room was full. Was. I was shocked. It was probably the biggest crowd for that panel that I've had since I've started doing it a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I was thrilled, though, that people are interested in something new and exciting. And did you notice, with the exception of Steampunk versus Diesel Punk, and your Electro Swing panel, there is no other steampunk programming at this con this year. Yeah, I noticed that. I don't know if that's a, a change. If, if I always say steampunk would be on the decline, but... No, part of it is because I didn't apply for more panels. I only applied for those two. Well, but you're not the only steampunk in Nashville or but, in, in the you know, Mid-South. But I am the founder and director of Music City Steampunk Consortium, and the basic representative of steampunk in the Nashville area. I could have applied for more panels and probably got them, but I just decided to only do two this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, well, the the big one is is obviously the time travel ball. That's that's a big win for you. That's and the big one. That's the big one. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that'll be exciting. Um, but you would you agree that we're seeing more and more diesel punk come to the forefront? Definitely. I would say that even viewing the people that have been walking around here in their various costumes today, I'm seeing less steampunk and more diesel punk in the costuming. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, And look at this guy over here. He's got this big giant wrench. That's awesome. That's diesel if I can. Yeah, yeah, he's like a big diesel mechanic over here. Hey, we're doing a podcast live. We're talking about you. So, uh, are you doing a particular character? I am Gundock, and this is my uh, airship captain, Bunny B. All right, so this is the Diesel Punk podcast. We're talking Diesel Punk. She looks steampunk. Yeah, you, <laughs> l- little bit of steam. You look very diesel, though. Very kind of Metropolis esque. How um, would my airship stay running? That's right. Yeah. Work on mostly work on the howitzers on our airship. All right, the howitzers. Well, uh, the bunny costume is very cute. Thank you. I made these in college. I took a steampunk sculpture class. In college, really? In college, yes. The first of its kind. Really? Yes. Um, So you guys can't see this on the podcast because this is audible, but she's got bunny ears with uh, gears and cogs and uh, uh, piping, and it's really pretty cool. Um, Now, here's a little dirty secret, Eugene. She walked in on me in the men's room. I'm sure, I'm sure there wasn't much for her to see. <laughs> <laughs> Why I, I uh, 
cheeks are turning red. <laughs> she she walked in. She saw me. She's like, "Good lord, I'm in the wrong place." <laughs> and I I didn't have time to respond and say, eh, "It kind of depends on what you're doing for the next 20 minutes." <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> uh, that was funny. Well, you guys look fantastic, and I love I love the giant wrench. Thank you. Yeah, good stuff. Well done. Well, thank you for talking with us. Thanks for joining our podcast. Uh, so hopefully you guys will, will have been able to hear that, um, hear their responses. Uh, there's a lot of noise in the background here, but that's okay. That's okay. Uh, you know, Hypericon, Eugene, I don't know if you knew this, it actually, at its core, at its founding, was a literary convention. Um, you know, the real stress, the real focus has always been... Um, speculative fiction, science fiction and fantasy. And uh, you know, we see a lot of authors here. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and it's good. It's it's kept those roots. One of the big featured guests is uh uh Alethea uh, uh, Contis. And uh, she's a uh, fantasy romance author who I guess has become pretty much a pretty big thing. Because a lot of people have been uh, excited to meet her. She's right across the aisle from us. But um, what, what's the coolest thing that you've seen? Ooh, I love that shirt she's got on. That's a great Captain America shirt. Um, what's the coolest thing you've seen just uh, being here part of the day yesterday and today? Actually, this might surprise you. It would be that young lady wearing the Renaissance costume. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, a pretty phenomenal costume. She's uh, portraying Queen was it Queen Anne? I don't recall. She's right over there. Let me go get her. He's going to go get her. Um, in the meantime, oh my gosh, we got a Holtzman Ghostbuster over there. That's fantastic. The Tennessee Ghostbusters are literally right across the table from us. And uh, there's a girl doing Holtzman. And uh, we'll try to get her over here to talk to us. Um we got uh, we got some airship captains walking by, and uh, just a lot of fun stuff going on. Um, in the uh, Diesel Punk panel this morning, we addressed one of the burning questions of Diesel Punk: whether or not Mad Max is Diesel Punk. And it was really amazing to me, uh, Eugene. I'm talking about the burning questions from the panel this morning: uh, whether uh, Mad Max is Diesel Punk. And it was amazing to me that almost unanimously the audience agreed with with us that no, it is not. And, uh, you know, I saw the heads shaking no, no. And uh, after, you know, I gave the explanation of what the genre is, that it's contemporary in origin, that uh, it has the aesthetics of the 20s, 30s, and 40s, and it has science fiction fantasy, the punk element, Almost everyone to a person agreed that Mad Max did not meet those criteria. Right, right. That's post-apocalyptic. I can't even say it. Apocalyptic. Post-apocalyptic mystery, drama, whatever you want to call it. But it is not steampunk. It's not diesel punk. It's no real kind of punk at all. Because I don't think they have invented a post-apocalyptic punk. But no, they have. They have? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's way way underground. Way you know. There. I mean. I don't know that there's much of a community. I could be wrong, but um, I don't think there is. But uh, what was interesting, though, again, after 
sharing the description, the criteria for diesel punk, I asked the other burning question in our community, is Star Wars diesel punk? And did you notice the reactions to that? Some of the people said no, but most of them said yes. Most said yes. Um, I'm, I'm surprised anyone could say no after uh, after seeing the criteria, but... Well, that's before you mentioned the criteria. Here she comes now. All right. She was in the midst of another podcast when I went to get her. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we want you to lean forward or come around just so that you can be closer uh, to the mic. I got a skirt on. <laughs> uh, we want you to be a little bit closer to the mic because there's a lot of noise. If you don't feel embarrassed, you can sit on my lap just to get close to the microphone. Oh, okay. I, oh, you got that hoop. Okay. Yeah, I got, I got like a hoop. Well, I'll tell you what, you sit down here. If you can sit. Uh, I can sit. I just have to like. Yeah. See, Eugene was using this excuse to uh, <laughs> get a pretty girl to sit on his lap. It's okay. We'll forgive him that. Well, but, I was also trying to save him because I got stuff that might stick him in the unwanted spot. <laughs> Alrighty then, this podcast is going in a completely different direction. Um, this is what happens at cons, folks. You know, I don't know what it is. Uh, when, when, when people in the geek culture community get together, a lot of uh, inhibitions just get lost. Um, I'm not complaining, I'm just stating that's a fact. What is your name, darling? Uh, my character name is Elizabeth... Crockmorton. I am from Elizabeth the First at Court. Uh, you may have seen my character in the movie Elizabeth the Golden Age, starring Kate Blanchett. It, I highly recommend it because the filmmakers actually stay true to history. <laughs> so, for those of you who aren't into culture, Kate Blanchett actually played the uh, the Russian colonel in Indiana Jones and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So I'm giving our listeners some, some context there. They, they've all seen that movie. Uh, well, also she was Galadriel in Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. <laughs> well, this is the Diesel Punk Podcast. So, ah. so um, I don't know what kind of uh, context the, our listeners have for The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> But your costume is phenomenal. Thank you. And, you know, we're talking mostly about the 20s, 30s, and 40s. Obviously, your Renaissance era. Mm -hmm. uh, Elizabethan, yes. Elizabethan. All right. Well, yes. forgive me. Well, forgive me. Um, Y'all forgiven. <laughs> um, but uh, you, um, you, you just have done such an amazing job. Now, I know that you didn't make it all yourself, but you added a lot of the accoutrements. Um, and it was, uh, was it commissioned or made for you? Or? Uh, it, the main build was made for me because I worked at the Tennessee Renaissance Fair and I was playing historical character, Lady Elizabeth Throckmorton. And, and, I, and I found a lot of interesting history, historical stuff about her too, especially keeping her husband's head in a sack. <laughs> well, a lot of our listeners are interested in historical cosplay. Oh, um, because that's a big part of our community. Oh yes. Um, what uh, what would you uh, like? Words of wisdom. What would you recommendations would you have for uh, people who want to do historical cosplay or costuming? Uh, I do highly suggest because this was like sort of like hammered into me by our dictator ish uh, costume director. Uh, no, she's wonderful, but 
always look for fabrics that are 100% cotton or all natural, no mixed polyester or anything because one, you won't be able to breed and mix polyester because that stuff just absorbs heat and you'll get hot in that fast. Make sure anything that's going to be against your skin is going to be 100% cotton. Make sure it's breathable. Uh, also, see if, if it's going to have a little bit of spandex or polyester, make sure the cotton is at least he's like 90% or 80% and then have like and if the rest of it's just like maybe spandex like 10% spandex that's uh, an okay hey, way to go when you're looking for stuff especially for materials also spring steel boning is a little bit stronger in my opinion of withstanding the wash whereas uh, zip ties are great except when you put them in the wash they can get sort of like morphed unless you lay it out flat in between two gigantic books to help flatten it out that way it doesn't get all wonky or bent out of shape hey, uh, also like hey, to an extent do like the outerwear as close to historical and wholly, uh, real as possible Oh, whereas uh, if it's for like emergency, like underneath stuff, <laughs> of uh, like your period of underwear, like I'm wearing bloomers, but I don't have drawstrings. It's all elastic band just to make it easier to get it out of. Because, well, no, 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 this no, is interesting. No, no, this is important because trust me, there will be times if you have to get out and you can't untie. He, and this is actually something that did happen that my costume director did talk about. She had to help someone get out of their bloomers because she couldn't undo the tie on her drawstring. So she had to climb underneath her skirts with some scissors to cut the thing, to cut the string, and ended up cutting something else along with it. So if you don't want any kind of emergency room things, make sure that you at least have certain things to make it as easy the access as possible to for removal in case of an emergency or well here's whatnot. the thing people don't realize about drawstrings <laughs> is that when you sweat yeah that knot will get soaked and and like constrict yeah and, and now you can't untie Tie it, it. Yeah. yeah yeah it's it's crazy so would you consider yourself a costumer or a cosplayer I would have to say I'm a little bit of both, because <laughs> I do love uh, some of the historical well, patterns, because you get so many cool shapes and forms and ideas of like how to, to like really do with scraps and stuff. Uh, but also it makes it more fun to like go, oh, I could alter this historical pattern to something else. That way I can create something really cool. I actually created a medieval Spider Woman. And with the historical patterns. Oh, I'd love to see that. So, um, obviously, uh, you know, you're doing the Elizabethan era, era, and uh, you know, I'm looking more at the 20s, 30s, and 40s. But, you know, you you brought up an interesting point, and um, not to be crass, but talking about uh, authentic or period authentic undergarments. How authentic do you get when you're doing historical costuming? And I'm, I'm asking for, for a reason because I'm sure there are people out there who are like religiously against any modern type clothing 
There, those would be the. Uh, I actually uh, know people that actually do the 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 reenactments of the Civil War. Uh -huh. Those people are. There are those people that are exactly like that. They say you can't do the scene. And stitch has to be done by hand. And I'm going like, they had Singer sewing machines back then, so maybe they may not have edging machines, but I, I mean, if you're working on something and you really just don't have the time to do it by hand, and like some people are understandable because sometimes if you're not that good of a hand stitcher, but you're good with the machine, uh, use the machine. And if you can, because sometimes you can have a better chance of getting it through very thick or a uh, very thick fabric with the machine whereas hand it's just ah! I'm stabbing myself every time I try to put that needle through <laughs> gotcha gotcha well it's fascinating I would love to talk Elizabethan costuming and historical costuming all day but I know you've got other places to be yes. I just we wanted to bring you by because you are beautiful you look spectacular and uh, you're you're a, a sight Thank you. To see here on the con floor. So yes. thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for asking me. All right. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. All right, Eugene, as you get back into place here, um, you got anything uh, else you I, want to share with our listeners? I was just going to say, I wish you all could see her costume. It is tremendous. Yeah, she there, put a lot of work into it. There's a lot of great costuming here. And a um, lot a lot of great costuming and uh, I, I can tell you that tonight's cosplay contest that I'm emceeing is going to be it's going to be a rough one a lot of competition and uh, yeah everyone's bringing their A game it's a $500 grand prize so you know people are uh, people are bringing it um, and you know Eugene I know that cosplay is not consent but dang <laughs> It, you know, the struggle is real, brother. It's hard sometimes. It is hard. Wow. Or it can get, never mind. Yeah, we're, we're going to get comments on that one. <laughs> but uh, anyway, well, hey, we're, uh, we're bumping up here against uh, 25 minutes, so we're going we're gonna to cut it short. Um, hope you guys have enjoyed this overview of Hypericon, our live episode. And uh, we may do another one uh, with uh, Gingero Snap and... Uh, Sarah Raven, or Sarah Raven, Sarah Nethery, also known as Ruby Raven, uh, tomorrow. But uh, until then, uh, on behalf of DJ Swag Commander Eugene John, I'll just say swing hard, swing often. And, and if you're in the area, come by to Time Travers Ball tonight. That's right. And we'll catch you on the flip side. <laughs>